We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by TheraOne CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and this is a momentous occasion for the podcast. We've been doing this a few years now, and this is the very first playoff series we've ever gotten to preview and cover. So we're going to do that in, in kind of a specific way in, in this pod. Uh, we're going up against the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard, who is the, bu- the bubble MVP. If you've listened to me on this podcast or elsewhere, I have an enormous amount of respect for Dame. Uh, Anthony and I had a bet when they were way back that Portland was going to make the playoffs. This isn't exactly how anyone pictured it, but I had a feeling Dame would do something nuts at the end of the season to get them in against that caliber of team. But Lakers are a different story, and I, uh, you know, Lakers have Lakers are a better team. The Lakers should win this series, but 
they're also missing a pair of guards. And Lillard's the kind of guy who can go nuts. We saw him have a 41-point game, a 51-point game, a 61-point game in the bubble. And he's a guy who embodies that whole Mamba mentality and and is very Kobe-esque, probably the player who reminds me mentality-wise more of Kobe than anyone else in the league. That does not make him infallible, and that does not mean that the Lakers cannot do things to limit him or slow him down or make him less effective. So on Tuesday, I asked Darius, hey man, do me a favor and check out as much Damian Lillard tape as you can, as do as much research as you can on him, and we'll talk about it on Sunday, and I will do the same. So that is where we start. I- I'm going to kick things off with the thing that really stood out to me just as an overall impression of his offensive game is this pull-up jumper. And I did a little research. They uh, He shoots seven and a half pull-up threes per game. Not just threes. He shoots seven and a half pull-up threes per game and makes them at a 40.4% clip. Now, from a volume perspective, that's the third most of anybody in the league. Trey Young's a little bit ahead of him. Harden's a lot ahead of him. But nobody shoots over 40% at that level of volume. So you can make the argument, with apologies to Steph, who's not playing in this, that he is the best pull-up jump shooter in the game. And that's something that has really stood out to me. We had different approaches in... I watched the all of the Laker games against Dame first. And you were looking at him around the league, which I think is going to give us kind of this balanced approach. In that respect, in terms of Damian Lillard's three ball, it's something where I think the Lakers are really going to have to guard heavily against that. He's one of those great players where you can't take everything away. You have to give up something to Damian Lillard, and he's good at all of it, right? But it becomes a matter of math in some respect and a matter of talent in another. My philosophy with how the Lakers should be defending Damian Lillard is if you let him sidestep on you or if you let him step back on you, ain't nobody can help you. If you can press up on him, you funnel him into the strength of the Lakers' defense, but he's masterful at drawing free throws, so that becomes dangerous. So anyway, on the topic of his pull-up jumper, first off, do you agree with my perspective of we need to take that away? you know, and let him drive to the basket, let him kind of funnel him into our bigs and the problems that he creates there too. Uh, let's let's start with there, actually. Do you agree with me philosophically that the Lakers should be pressing up on, on Dan? I do agree that the the biggest item to watch for and to scheme against is his pull-up jumper, yes. Especially his pull-up jumper from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm schematically and we'll get into this because I think it's interesting schematically I'm not exactly sure if forcing him to drive is the best or how you force him to drive is going to be the key idea here right Mm -hmm. um because the way that Portland runs their offense and the way they run their high screen and roll game is is they so dame as an individual player forces you to go over the top of screens and the big man has to engage at the level of the ball or even higher Mm -hmm. in order to prevent the pull-up jumper right that's right so if i can add one degree of of extra layer to that is that he's a 40 percent shooter out to 40 feet 
Like all of his threes between 30 and 40 feet, he makes like on high volume, he makes over 40% of those. So everything you're saying is true and it stretches out the, the like you got to pick Dame up as he crosses half court because he's going to fire up those bombs. So it becomes even more difficult for those bigs. And that's, I want to get into JaVale and Dwight, right? Because that's who it's going to be more difficult for. But yes, please, con- please continue. Well, so, and this is a crazy thing about sort of, previewing a playoff series right and this sort of chess match that's going to come into play between Damian Lillard his primary defender whoever is whoever that player is and I think we're going to get into that soon Mm -hmm. um which bigs are on the floor how many bigs are on the floor and how that impacts your defensive scheme behind the point of attack right so And getting back to your original point about do I agree that forcing Damian Lillard to drive and play two-point basketball is the best strategy against him, yes. I also think, though, that it becomes a bit of a chess match or a cat-and-mouse game based off of the personnel that is on the floor when scheming to do exactly that. So, Mm -hmm. for example... If there are two bigs on the floor, I definitely think you need to engage high and engage hard with the big man in order to try to do exactly what you said, which is make Dame both attack the rim, but also string out his dribble some in order to get back pressure so that his primary defender can catch up to the action a little bit. And if that means you engage some in a bit of a trap and then need to get into rotation behind that, then I think that that's fine. But if, and I think this is a point that you were probably going to make at some point during, well, well, during the pod, Damian Lillard's, you know, six two six three, right? And so he is not James Harden size. He is not Kawhi Leonard size. He is not LeBron James size. He's not Paul George size. He's not Kobe Bryant size. That's right. Right? He has good size for a point guard, but, and his athleticism sort of makes up for, like, he can and play And his technique, bigger. he's got, like, perfect technique, and he can create space. He knows to do all these brilliant things. At the end of the day, 6'3 is not 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, yeah. Yes, exactly right. And so, the big man who is engaging at the point of attack it's going to be very important that he shades him appropriately that he he stays connected right while not fouling in Mm -hmm. order to be able to challenge up high if he has the angle to but also funneling to a second big Right. right and I think that strategy though has to change a little bit I think if there's only one big on the floor, because if that big is being engaged at the point of attack, I think the Lakers are going to have to play a more traditional style. And that mm-hmm. big is going to need to be a defensive monster at the point of attack. And ultimately, this may end up being a series or if not a series, but a lot of the sort of possession to possession play is ultimately going to be determined 
by how well Anthony Davis can defend at the point of attack. We're, we're getting Damian there. We're, we're getting there. Yes, that's absolutely where uh, I do. I want to zoom in, though, a little bit on those minutes when JaVale, JaVale's probably going to start, right? Yeah. Dwight's going to play. And he'll get minutes where he's and both of those guys with Dame's ability to shoot the bombs, not just threes, but thirty-five footers. The the and this makes sense intuitively, right? The farther away from the basket that JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard have to defend, the more vulnerable they are. But when there's a second big on the floor, this is what I'm thinking. I I would like to see them. I, I'm worried about the starters. I'm worried about the starting lineup, both in terms of how they played, how they played in the bubble games, and in terms of how they match up, right? This is what I'm worried about. I'm not sure Danny Green is fast enough to keep up with one of those two guards, right? So, Danny Green could definitely not guard Damian Lillard. Can he guard CJ? I agree with that. Like, that's a non-starter. Right, but but if he can't guard CJ, then we got some problems. I think... Now... Color me biased a little bit. I think Danny Green can capably guard CJ McCollum so that he is not having the type of 11 for 19 night that he had mostly against John Morant. He, so, so we need Danny to be able to defend CJ to the point where we're not like, we need somebody else to, to defend right. this guy, right? Uh, like, Again, these were bubble games that didn't matter, but you know he Jamal Murray got like three straight buckets on Danny, and then they had to switch him off him and put Kuz in. Kuz is going to be a big impact about this. About can we defend their guards, right? Because we're gonna this is we're focusing this on Dame, but if there's such a gap between CJ and the guy that's defending CJ that CJ just cooks him up. Now I think that we can use our physicality, and that's something where you know heck CJ's he's not at a hundred percent physically. Another guy, let's funnel him into our, even even without that, but like, let's put bodies on these guys. You know what That's I mean? Right. Like, this is something that they, we want to be physical with them over the course of a seven-game series. That's an advantage that our team has. So if Danny can do that, I think we're all right. So yeah, in those starters minutes, those first six minutes of the first quarter and the third quarter, I think we win the other 36 minutes pretty handily. Those 12, though, those first six to start each, we like, if, if we can... We need to be able to hang tight. And I think that there are some personnel issues that that is the part of the game I'm concerned about. That's what I'll be focusing on in watching the series is how do we start the first six minutes of each half. Now, my thoughts are if we blitz with JaVale, blitz meaning a trap, right? Yeah. So we're uh, we're trapping Dame. Dame is still going to beat JaVale off the dribble a decent amount. If JaVale goes to trap, but he's too wide, Damien's going to split it, Right. If JaVale's in too tight, Dame's just going to uh, put his foot on the gas and beat him to the outside leg. Now, having that's where having the second big matters, right? Is we need to be blitzing fully well knowing that there are going to be other guys. Now, that means that AD is that guy back there that needs to be rotating over. And everyone else is going to have to be veering down to the level of the ball, right? Because Dame's already beat two. So now you got JaVale and AC having to crash while Nurkic is rolling to the basket, who we'll get into uh, in a moment. But there needs to be like that angle of KCP or Caruso or whomever is defending the, the ball handler. They need to be veering back in a way where they're beating Dame to a spot because Dame has to take that wide angle around the big. And so the the hustle back, like the how how fast 
KCP, Caruso, who I think are going to be the two main point of attack defenders on Dame. Do how well do they sprint back to that that spot in our trapping scenarios? But that is my theory for how to make JaVale work because if we're in a lot of drop coverages if they're extended we, can, we can't do it against Dame right like you're shaking your head uh, like we saw what Dame did to Porzingis in that same coverage right yeah tell me what you saw against drops you 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 cannot like look you cannot and edit this I don't care how many times you cannot <laughs> play in a traditional drop coverage against Damian Lillard that is like him playing 40% pop a shot mm-hmm. from behind the arc mm-hmm. with him. You simply cannot drop even three feet below the level of the screen. I, I would love and, to see what he shoots against drop coverages specifically because he's making like 40% of his pull-ups overall, and those are the free ones, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he's making you know low 50s, mid 50s on, on those shots. And that's three points, so that's like 1.5 points per position. You just can't, you can't live with that. You, you have to look. So when you were saying that the tape that I watched on Dame was from other stuff around the league, I zeroed in on the last two playoff series that Damian Lillard lost, mm-hmm. right? So he lost in the conference finals last season mm-hmm. against the Warriors. And the season before that, he lost in the first round in an upset against the Pelicans. I watched as much as I could on the defensive strategies that those two teams employed against Damian Lillard to make his life harder, Mm -hmm. right? And so the Warriors series was interesting just because it was so far into the playoffs that Dame clearly ran out of gas to a Mm -hmm. certain extent, and the Warriors just kept throwing body like big body after sure. big body at him. And the Lakers don't necessarily have a solution like that, right? And then the Pelicans had an elite on-ball point, point-of-attack defender who was mm. bigger and stronger than Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday. And then behind him, they had sort of like mobile bigs. Like mm-hmm. they had Anthony Davis, which <laughs> he looks familiar Right. And then they even had, like, I was actually impressed, too, with, like, the work that Nikola Miritich did mm. at the point of attack as sort of, like, engaging as a help defender above, like, above the level of the ball when the Pelicans, when Wait, so- Portland went into their screen and roll defense. Go okay, ahead. so, no, 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 explain, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture what Miritich was doing. So, go ahead. Mirit- so, like. When Portland was running their high screen and roll game, Miritich was stepping up and and he was showing trap. Like he was showing trap. Okay. So like, hard a hard show. Mm-hmm. Hard hard show and engage and engaging Dame as as if almost mm-hmm. like I'm switching. Right. Right? But that wasn't the call. The call was not to switch. Drew was getting over the top. Or Rondo was trying to fight to get over the top, and really he was just buying Drew time. But one of the key things that I think is super important in order to try to limit Dame is to limit shot attempts, right? Dame is too aggressive a scorer, and his eyes light up against drop coverage. His Mm -hmm. eyes light, light up against 
hasty shows because he will then split and his eyes light up against straight up switches because then he has a big man on him. Where things get trickier for Dame is when he's forced to side dribble or escape dribble or if he has to back dribble entirely in order to read. Almost every single time in those two series that Dame had to escape dribble or, or string out his dribble too far and then allowing the recovery of his primary defender to come while still being engaged by the helping big man, it almost always led to a pass. Mm-hmm. And so, so we need to be putting pressure on him. That's basically what this means in English, right? Is the more he feels pressure, that's the only time you dribble to the side or dribble backward. That's is right. That you've got, and that pressure can be applied from a number of different points. And that's why with the starters, like you've got to put pressure on Dame. Right now, like he can, he can be great against that too. Right, I, I want to be clear about that. It's just you know, pick your poison. That's the poison that I'm going to pick. You put pressure on. You have to put pressure on him. But Javale, even if he shows at the level of the ball, is going to get beat. A drop coverage, he can't do that. He certainly can't switch onto him. So how can we survive those minutes? What coverages can we have? Even those hard shows that will have that will depend on how well KCP battles around, but he's not the same type of defensive guard as a Drew Holiday or an Avery Bradley. Those are more physical type of point of attack guys where Bradley could... Now, Bradley, I think I think his loss is probably overstated a little bit in the overall analysis of how much it matters, because in most of these instances, it's uh, this is a battle between Dame and the Lakers' defensive big man, but it will matter in terms of ball pressure individually. And so my thought with JaVale is, or Dwight is that if we just straight out blitz, that's the one That's the one thing where we go, all right, we know we're going to get beat, but it's only going to be in one of two ways. It's going to be with Dame, you know, splitting or beating outside leg, but either way, Dame driving, or Nurkic most likely on the short roll. They'll use Whiteside, but Whiteside's more to score in those situations, uh, which Nurkic can do too, but Nurkic is a better passer. He can pick and pop. Um, but it's the only coverage that we have that, that like, if you know if you know how the offense is going to beat you, you can plan for it, right? And especially with the versatility of a guy like Anthony Davis, he's kind of this AD's at his best at his rarest defensively when he's covering ground because nobody that big should be able to move that fast and cover that much ground in this amount of time, and that's valuable in these four-on-three short-roll scenarios where Nurkic is going to the basket. Like, I don't want four-on-threes, but a four-on-three where AD is one of the three back and Nurkic is the decision-maker. He's a good passer, but he's not He's not Jokic, right? And he's, he's a good scorer. But anyway, that, to me, the more four-on-threes that we get in that scenario, we're, it's, it's us leaning on like the best defensive player in the league yeah. to be able to do what he does best. So that's my, my theory. No, I definitely, I definitely think you have to ask JaVale and Dwight to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think you have to meet aggressiveness with aggression yourself. If mm-hmm. you're the Lakers great, and great point. And if, you try to passively play Dame at the point of attack, he is going to eat you up. He mm. like he's just mm-hmm. too good. He is too good a shooter off of the dribble. 
He is too crafty with his dribble when operating in space. He understands leverage. He understands angles. You know, he is great driving to either hand, right? And so he really has no weaknesses off of the dribble that you can point to and say, well, if we just sit on his right hand, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's not a thing with no. this guy. No, it's that's, that's like, how much he's worked on his game. And that's why I, it reminds me of Kobe in a lot of ways, too. Now, that said, I do think you should still be scheming him a certain way. You can't let him get ahead of steam. That's the thing is, like, you've got to pick him up, man, because if he gets ahead of steam going, he's going to beat your big, he's going to beat your guard, and then, even then, that's when he's most dangerous on your kickouts, because those are also the scenarios where you're not planning on being beaten right there in that way, and he will he will completely collapse your defense. He is great at snaking after he beats the big man. Mm-hmm. So, when the big man engages high on, oh, on, on a, a ball pick and roll, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. right? And then if he gets out, if he beats you outside foot, right, then he snakes almost immediately and crosses over. And he loves then that skip pass to the corner to Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. to shoot that wide open three. That was the dagger three that Melo hit. It was on that same type of action. And that's the three that the Lakers are going to be susceptible to if they're giving up quick penetration at well, at the point, point of attack. So rule number one, engage early with Dame and try to push him backwards or back him up, make him escape, and, and ideally pick up his dribble. If not, hold his dribble to either make him pick out the short roll or mm-hmm. throw, it's not even a diagonal, but they'll then bring CJ up to the level of the ball for the kick across where then they, they then they want to isolate CJ while you're rotating behind that. But B, the weak side big man, whoever it is, they have to be pre-rotating. Like right. they have to show themselves to him right when he is basically acting as though he's going to beat the point of attack. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that like you remember last year how teams would defend Harden and they still do this and it's funny because Harden's a potential uh, you know second round opponent is they would like sit on his left shoulder right and it'd be like we're going to get beat we're just not going to let you shoot this this step back and we're going to let you drive to the basket. Dame is a similar player in that he has the tool to. I always think of basketball as very algorithmic, right? If the if the defense does this, then if you do that, and you've got the proper skill and technique to be able to execute it, that's the other component of it. But just from a theoretical standpoint, rock beats scissors, scissors beats paper, paper beats rock. And that's really the nature of basketball in a lot of ways, is if you know the thing to do at the right time, and you have the skill to execute it, it's actually a very simple game. And as guys get older, and this is the thing I see in Dame, is just a real understanding of that, that if the defense does this, I do that. And then I've always worked on my game to perfect my skills, and I've got the tool to be able to to beat that. And I will say this too, that look, I watched Dame from two years ago, and I watched him last year. He was great both of those years, right? He's an all-NBA player. He is better now he is right and part of the reason that he's better is because the style in which he is best equipped to play 
is now being more optimized with this version of the team that he has, even if, from a talent perspective, this team may not be as good as like the Western Conference Finals team from last season. They are better equipped to flank Dame in a way that allows him to be the player that you say is like the proper heir to the Mamba mentality, right? Absolutely. All right, let's let's kick it to break. There were a couple more things I wanted to get to, but Darius is right that we need to move on. Just uh, when Alex Crusoe's on him, look for them to uh, use him off of the ball a little bit more. They like running Dame off of Iverson cuts, and ACs uh, doesn't lock and trail as well as KCP does. Um, whereas with KCP, I think like Cruz was the better point of attack guy, better on ball defender. I think that they'll try to isolate KCP more than they would try to isolate Caruso. However, Dame is really good at, if you don't pick him up high as he crosses half court, he will just use a skip step and drive, just blow past your guy, right? No screen, no nothing. Just like, oh, you gave me a little bit of a head of steam. Like, I'm just going to go by you. And he'll get layups on that. Caruso is susceptible to that. He gets beaten that way. So that will be the one way I think they try to attack Caruso in isolation. But I think when Caruso's in, it'll be more running uh, Lillard off of Iverson cuts. He's got that great footwork to square up to the basket. Anyway, I just wanted to hit those couple more things. Nurkic will make a difference. Oh, we'll get we'll get into this later. We'll get into this in the second segment. Sorry, I got all my notes. I'm excited. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about the rest of the Portland Trailblazers. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands how it feels to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with a revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the USA, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com backslash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. All right, so yeah, like you said earlier, Darius, this is a, a different version 
of the Portland Trailblazers than previous seasons, right? They they lost some pretty good wing defenders. Uh, they Their spacing's better. Their shooting's better. Gary Trent Jr. has become a really lights-out guy for them. They are out there to get buckets. They either even got one of my favorite young dudes in the league, and Anthony Simons, uh, not not really in the playoff rotation, it doesn't look like, or at least not for much, but that kid can get buckets too, right? So they got a lot of these guards getting buckets, uh, especially as shooters. They've really maximized uh, their shooting, similar to how Golden State from that approach is, but they're just a lot smaller. The big difference, though, from the times when the Lakers played the Portland Trailblazers in the regular season is not a small guy. It's their biggest guy in Yusuf Nurkic. He, you know, had had that leg injury. He's back and has been a big part of, of what they have been doing. In your view, how much of a difference does Nurkic make for them? I think he makes a big difference. Yeah. He's their best all-around big man. Um, he is not a floor spacer. Mm-hmm. But right? he can shoot but a he, little. Like, he's got, he, he'll pop. It's not a strength of his game, but yeah. Y- y- yeah, I think that the Blazers really want Nurkic to get downhill as much as he can. Absolutely. Uh, um, be, a, be a wrecking ball, right? Because he kind of clears space for all those guys out on the perimeter. He's like that you know, boulder that comes crashing in, and then all of a sudden everyone's open on the, on the perimeter. He's overall a skilled offensive big man who can bruise you some. Um, mm. He's not like an A-plus at really anything that you can – that like pops – it, but he mm-hmm. plays hard. He is a good defensive player. Like it is one of the reasons why I think they're a scary team overall is because of Nurkic's ability to sort of of play extended minutes and be a physical player like fifteen feet and in in on both ends of the floor in ways that Portland just hasn't had all season, even with, like, a guy like Whiteside, right? Like, Whiteside's a big dude as well, um, but he can loaf. He doesn't have great, like, defensive awareness. When he locks in and is engaged, he can definitely track the ball, and I think that shows up in, like, his block shots and and that stuff. But you can you can scheme him off the ball, Right. Where he will then get lost and then he's make a him make decisions. You make him make decisions and you're going to be all right. Yeah. Very similar to like JaVale in sure. a lot of ways. Sure. Right. JaVale out guys, of a short role. Right. Yeah. Like, him, yeah. Like those guys are the right susceptible. Yeah. N- no, he's going to look to score, which is what Whiteside does. But, but in terms of getting back to Nurkic, Nurkic is a good decision maker, like 15 feet and in, where he understands where he can get all the way to the rim where he's supposed to shoot the little floater or, like, spin into a little jump hook. Mm-hmm. And he also understands when the help is going to be there and he's supposed to make the pass. Now, does he make the right decision, like, every single time? No, he mm-hmm. doesn't. He mm-hmm. can still pick up charges. He can still, like, force and bull his way in there a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lakers are going to need to be keen in rotating to him yeah. and make him make his decisions early and yeah. not allow him to play himself in to a decision that then puts the defense on on its heels, which I think is going to be a common theme amongst – like in this series overall is is that the late the like the Blazers are are a very smart offensive team 
mm-hmm. and and they and they are smart schematically, and they are smart from a decision making stand right. standpoint. And that starts with Dame, but it also filters through with CJ and then Nurkic, and then this version of Carmelo Anthony as well, mm-hmm. which is an interesting player in terms of passing more, especially out of double teams from from the post. And, and so if you let Portland dictate the terms of engagement within the flow of their offense, they will pick you apart yeah. and get the types of shots that well that they want. And and so I do think then it is super important for the Lakers to be assertive and aggressive with their defense in order to force decision making that Portland is now on their heels a little bit mm-hmm. and more reactive instead of proactive offensively. You know what's going to be a fundamental ingredient of all of that, of the ability to be aggressive and be aggressive effectively, is mental focus, right? We've talked a lot about the on-court elements so far in, in this pod and the, the technical aspects, but in this very strange situation, the ability to focus is going to be a fundamental ingredient to beating the Blazers. There's a mindset amongst Laker fans, which is well-earned and, and well, I, I think well-founded, is that the Lakers are way better than the Blazers, and they should win this series in five games, right? They don't have anybody that can guard LeBron or AD. What they've sacrificed, uh, or what they've gained in that floor spacing and that skill that they've added to their offense, they've uh, given up some on the defensive end specifically at exactly the point of the court where we just happen to have our two best guys. And so that, and that will, in my opinion, I think that that's the most likely scenario is that exactly that right there is what wins the day and the Lakers win the series. However, with Portland, whenever you got both CJ and Dame are small relative to their roles on an NBA team. Most guys who carry that much of a burden for an NBA team are, a few inches bigger, as we talked about earlier in, in for all sorts of reasons, right? The and all of which come back to can you get your own shot? Can you create? Can you compromise a defense? So whenever you see guys six three, six four in today's league carrying that type of load, that means that by definition, they are masters of the technical aspects of the game. Now, their degrees of athleticism will impact how far that goes. Look at CJ versus Dame, right? Like, I I would say that Dame is probably technically better than CJ, but CJ, in terms of just, like, knowing this move, like, if if basketball was a martial art, right? Like, knowing they would have black belts in the technique, right? Like, they would have... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm butchering your background. uh, Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You're on it. Yeah, so CJ and Dame are both masters of this, and I, I would say that the difference between them is more Dame's athleticism than anything else. Yeah. No, um, I I definitely agree with that. Dame is like a top tier athlete at like at point guard. Mm-hmm. Early in his early in his career, he was you know, not Westbrook or Derrick Rose explosive, mm-hmm. right? But but when you combine his technical ability with his athleticism, like they sort of like they boost each other up, mm-hmm. right? And, right? And so, like his his technical ability with his footwork makes an already explosive first step mm-hmm. even that much better, yeah. right? Like his understanding of angles and then his ability to sort of gather and go up means that he's dunking 
something instead of just laying it up or 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 doing that extend layup that right. like a lot of smaller guards do yeah. that sort of Steve Nash made famous right like yeah. there there are things that as an athlete Dame does that is pure athlete stuff and mm. then when it's built upon the foundation of technical expertise he's he's unbelievable man like like it's it's just a different level cj to me is much more like a tactician than anything else like like cj CJ doesn't have as much heat behind it right like dame is going up with bad intentions and he's going to dunk on your face if if you do not rotate in time like she just just doesn't doesn't have that top gear he's got dame has a couple couple of gears that cj just can't hit well, CJ's is, so the best way that I could, and honestly, I like this is a compliment. So, you know how there's always like those time machine arguments, and people are just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you send Russell, like, like Westbrook sure. back to like the 50s, <laughs> and like he's right, going right. to average 200 points a game, right? And, and that's basically because those guys were playing in Chuck Taylor's and looked all slow. And here's Westbrook, who looks like he, like his shoes are for reals, like made a flubber and like he's just going to jump. Oh, out I, I don't think gym. it's the shoes that are the difference. No, no, no. But you get my <laughs> point, right? Yes. But when it comes to CJ, CJ plays the game with a level of technical expertise that basically, like, I could see CJ going right back into like the 1970s and playing oh, like yeah. a Clyde Frazier, like uh-huh. a Clyde Frazier that style mid-range game, game or where like you'd an shoot Earl that 17 footer over the top of somebody, like, uh-huh. like it, like Clyde Frazier or Earl Monroe yeah. or Jerry West, where mm-hmm. like these guys were very good athletes, like. Like, mm-hmm. already, right? Obviously, right. clearly. Like, they're NBA athletes, and, and CJ's an NBA-level athlete as well. Yes. But there is a technical expertise that he plays the game with that is tricky. And and it's tricky for defenders. Like, the moves that he put on Morant mm-hmm. to get off that 19-footer that he sunk in his face, that was basically the game winner, right? There was... There, like, there was, there was flash in that, yeah. and he was quote unquote in his bag for that type of move. But that's also like that's a great because I love Ja. Ja's got he's got a ton of heart. I think that he's gonna be like he he's gonna be one of the stars that carry the game forward. He needs to work on his game. He needs to add a jumper and uh, all of their. He passed up so many. The way they defended him, where somebody like take the jumper, Ja. He just didn't feel. He either didn't decide. He decided if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down, doing what I do best. That's attacking the basket. Anyway, I love Ja, but and he's a smaller guard that is just bonkers athleticism. But he's got some technique, not yet with his shooting, but with his ball handling ability, space creation. Like Ja does some some cool stuff for his age. But CJ is also that, except he's older, and it goes to show everything that a player learns between that young age and like CJ and, and Dame are like right at that age where they got enough of their athleticism, but they've accrued so much knowledge. That's the thing people don't understand about basketball is these guys, they are, they are geniuses at what they do because there's so much of basketball. Like there's so many decisions happening in such little time and everything's moving. It's the most complex sport in my opinion because of that, but it's never the game. Games never presented in that way, and or, or rarely is. And I feel like we're starting to do more and more of that stuff. But that is like 
all of the knowledge, you know, CJ is a, is, you know, a doctorate and, and Jaws in first grade and Jaws going to get there someday, but that's the level of the difference in knowledge. And that's why us being focused in this series, man, if we're not on top of our shit, like we got the athletes to be able to stop them. We've got the versatility, the players, if their minds are somewhere else and they got so many reasons for their minds to be somewhere else, man. They ain't seen their family. I mean, they've got their families coming in, but they've been in this place. Imagine being in the same place since yeah. since when they got there. This is where, and this goes back to the conversation we were having on the last pod that we recorded, right? About flipping the switch and and being able to sort of summon or or conjure that level of play that the Lakers have shown this year in order to get to the place where they are now, which is the number one seed in like a brutal Western conference. Right. And remember they came into the, they came into the bubble five and a half games up. Like Mm -hmm. that took an extraordinary level of play in order to come into the bubble that far up on a conference that we're now showing or that we've now seen is, you know, kind of tough night to night to night. Right. When mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, yeah. So what's up this road? Well, will road trip. Oh, well, you've got Denver and then you've got Utah and then you go see San Antonio mm-hmm. and you're like, OK. And there were points in the year where we thought, oh, well, the Lakers should be three and oh on that trip. And then they would be mm-hmm. right because that was the level that they could reach. Like. This is why. This is why the Lakers are favored. This is why you said what you said at the beginning or at some point during this pod where it's just like, look, the Lakers should win this series. They Mm -hmm. probably should win it. Even if the games are close, they should win it in five games, maybe six games. That's how it should play out on Mm -hmm. paper. But conjuring that focus and that attentiveness and sort of drilling down and being able to execute possession after possession after possession. That's what the playoffs are. I think that this is where LeBron's leadership is going to need to reemerge again and be the driver of where this team is going to go. And we knew that already, right? That's not, that's not breaking news. That's not rocket science. That's not brain surgery. That, that's the most obvious thing that you could say that LeBron James is going to lead the Lakers to however far they're going going to go. Congratulations, give that guy a podcast. The thing is, <laughs> though, is what we saw from him in like the last eight games during the bubble was that focus drifted. It was hit and mm-hmm. miss. He was not engaged as mm-hmm. he should be. If and that was by design, if, man. You saw him eating that sandwich on the bench. Yes. Like, like there. This is. And I, I get it, right? Like it would it would have been pointless to to really get pushing, you know, putting our foot on the gas pedal using whatever nitro boosts we've got. You know, I think we were talking about this. I think this was off air. I don't think this was recorded uh, when we were talking the other night about like uh, that dunk that Kobe had against the Pelicans in 2011 in the first yeah. round. Like we were struggling, and it was a one-one series or something like that. We were supposed to be like way better than the the Hornets were, and then uh, we were down nine in the second quarter. I think it was like 45, 36 or something like that. And Kobe goes down the lane. I think he gets it off of a handoff, yams it on Emeka Okafor. And it kind of switched, it kind of like flipped the momentum 
of that game. And those are like little nitro boosts, right? And and Kobe's cracked up after the game, like, I only got so many of those left in me. That's right. And I think LeBron's probably at a similar point of his career. Like, he can't have the throttle down the entire time, man. He's 35 years old. He's been playing 17 years. This is part of how he can be, get there when he needs to get there is by not having the throttle all the way on right now. That's exactly right. And so him now, will it switch on for him? I think it will. I do too. And if we get the LeBron James who is rotating all over the floor defensively, Mm -hmm. if he decides he's going to put the clamps on like Carmelo Anthony, if you see him once or twice swallow up Nurkic Mm -hmm. on the short roll, pick up a charge, challenge him at the rim, you know, go vertical on him and force a miss and then take it the other way and do one of his crazy LeBron fast break things where he either spins and gets a layup and it's and one or he picks out Anthony Davis for a lob. Mm -hmm. That is the level that the Lakers showed hints of in these last eight games, but didn't do it really over the course of a full game and definitely not over the course of like two or three consecutive games. Right. right? And, but when the playoffs come, there's probably no player I trust in the league more. Mm -hmm. Like you might trust a guy like Kawhi as much. Right. Mm -hmm. But you will not, but I don't trust anybody more than Mm -hmm. LeBron James to basically say it's winning time. Right. And now I'm going to do the things that are necessary in order to, w- to win the damn game. Right. And so LeBron is kind of like the command center of the Lakers. He's the, in terms of how they function on the floor. And that, that in playoff situations, I think this season, you notice how we posted up AD a ton yeah. this season? And it, like, it didn't work that well. I, I think that the persistence with that is to get him some reps at it is to get him better at it. But when it comes down to winning games, I think that they will be more selective. There there will be times where posting up Anthony Davis is like totally the right thing. The oh, right I actually think they're going to attack the hell out of Zach Collins in, sure. in the post, but but we'll get to that in a second. No, absolutely. But but you know what I'm saying, right? Like I'm talking in situations where it wasn't working, where it's the Raptors and they've got those great weak side rotations and like, dog, we're posting up AD again. You know, like... And because in the moment you want to win the game, but I do think that there's something to be said long term. Like we know what we got. We know that LeBron will be that command center. So I think the style of basketball Lakers play will change when they need it to. I think there's still value in like if we've got control of the series, say it's it's two zero, we're up on Portland two zero, and that in game three, maybe AD gets a few more post touches, right? You you want to see how that looks like, but. LeBron will have a feel for the tone of the series and the pacing of the series when he needs to turn up and when he needs to turn down. Because the same thing is going to be that I said earlier is going to be true in the playoffs. Not every point of an early round playoff series is the time to throttle it all the way up, right? And That's he's right. he's got to now in this situation. I think you got to have that engine running as best you can because you haven't played real meaningful basketball in a very long time and Lillard's on fire. And so I, like I, I speak in these very respectful tones about the Portland trailblazers because I think specifically what they're good at can carve up the one place where I think that, that we could be vulnerable, which is just in focus because ultimately I believe that this is the best team in the NBA. 
that we're watching and that they have every every piece on this team, everybody in the right role from leadership on down to win a title. It's just that like, yo, everything got turned. It's easy for us to, you know, go about mostly our lives in our houses and things like that. Talking about they should focus, right? Just, I don't know, man, there's that human element that adds at least a a factor of unknown that they're going to have to be, I think a little more revved up. Um, But I want to go back to the idea of LeBron as this, as the like, command center that makes ad more valuable because now he can do what he does best there's someone else deciding when ad is the when ad should be getting the ball when where where ad should be getting the ball there's somebody that's taking he will take more of those on-ball possessions where where ad might struggle to find the open guy or might pivot in the wrong direction right lebron absorbing more of that it, it has that natural domino effect, and then we can go in more into the ball screen uh, action that I, I, I really think, and we saw it in big games this year, like when they really needed a bucket, like really needed it. There's a lot of LeBron and AD pick and roll. We just didn't go to it very often the rest of the game. I definitely want to see what Anthony Davis's like usage like looks like, both from a statistical standpoint and from a schematic and X's and O's deployment. Yeah, like statistically, I think he's going to get a lot of shots and I think he's going to score a lot of points. I just think how he goes about getting them is going to change a bit. So this brings me to an interesting question and I wanted to ask you this. Do you think Portland is going to commit to doubling AD like every time he touches the ball? from like the mid post out like like do you think they're going to just th- run second defenders at him to sort of make to 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 try to push him in the direction where he has one of those nights where he only takes 11 field goal attempts or mm-hmm. nine field goal attempts or or is sort of uncertain about where to throw the ball from a double team right like mm-hmm. like we've we've sort of talked about where Anthony Davis still has growth in his game, right? Well, like where there's growth potential, like if we're talking, you, you know, sort of um, like... You're such HR a Bay Area guy. Here, You're such a Bay right? Area tech guy. You're... <laughs> but, but that's real because AD is like, he's literally at or near the top of the league in terms of an overall talent, right? And sure. he's going to... And he's li- very likely to make first-team All-NBA Right. Well, that's the thing. The thing about AD is he doesn't have all the technical stuff down yet, right? Like there are that's times right. where he pivots the wrong way on a double team, and now he's like his weight is it's like a quarterback throwing off balance, and he gets intercepted, right? Like that guy's got a great freaking arm, and he can you know throw it on a dime, but if you get him off balance, he's not the same player anymore. And AD can get off balance. That's a big thing with AD's footwork. So yeah, that's absolutely something that, that we might see. I think we're going to have more of a plan for it. We used to dive from the weak side wing and then kick up from the weak side corner, kick up from there to the, to the wing. And that kind of, that makes that weak side guy who's guarding to have to make a decision. We didn't really do that in these bubble games on AD's post-ups, which is another reason why like it looked awful. And there weren't really any, but like AD would get doubled and like there'd no, be nobody open. I just don't think we wanted teams to get more tape on that. So that, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's th- that's an interesting point. Maybe we'll have to scrub this from the pod. So oh, is that no too much? Hears. Oh yeah, I probably should. <laughs> I probably should be more careful on such things. And no, but so AD then 
I do think that we're going to see more pick and roll between LeBron and AD. I do think we are going to see more situations where LeBron is targeting specific defenders on the Blazers in actions, right? Um, I do think we're going to see more guard-to-guard screens when LeBron's a guard. Mm -hmm. And if Alex Caruso's in the game or if KCP is in the game, he is very comfortable with those guys coming and setting screens Mm -hmm. for him. He is very comfortable with Danny Green coming and setting the screen for him. There are, for all the talk, and since this is, you know, sort of our – playoff preview and we can't cover everything but there is one specific thing I wanted to cover which is for all the talk about how the Lakers are going to defend Damian Lillard Mm -hmm. and defend CJ McCollum and how they're going to navigate like the Dame Nurkic pick and roll and what happens with the short roll and how important Carmelo Anthony is parking weak side and, and what it's like to put you into rotation that way. The Lakers have not played that type of basketball all year offensively. You know what kind of basketball the Lakers have have played? They've played, we have LeBron James and we have Anthony Davis. And you know what? Go ahead and try to stop those guys And this has been a theme of our pod all season, right? When we've talked about sort of the simplicity of the Lakers offense and how it is devastating in its simplicity Mm -hmm. because they have LeBron James. And Well, that's that's why that thing that I described earlier, that's why that thing that I described earlier, I'm like, they can know, like, there's plenty of tape on that, right? But, like, what are you going to do? Not double Anthony Davis then and have Melo try to check him or Zach Collins? Or, like, who do you have that's going to guard that dude? And what are you going to do? What are you going to do when LeBron James decides we're going to run a pick and roll, and I don't care if we have to screen and rescreen and rescreen and rescreen mm-hmm. on a single possession, and I'm going to get Damian Lillard on me at the mm-hmm. elbow, or yeah. I'm going to get CJ yes. McCollum on me at the elbow, and mm-hmm. then and then what does that look like? And this is and I'm sorry. I am as respectful of Damian Lillard as I think you are. Mm-hmm. I think that he is he is a premier player in this league. And as guys sort of rattle off, like, who are the top 10 players in the league? And it's almost always a list of big wings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's LeBron, it's Giannis, it's... Like it's Kawhi Leonard, it's Anthony Davis, it's it's James Harden, it's right and sure. and then and and then you start to even get to guys like oh well Nikola Jokic is in there somewhere or Joel Embiid is in there some somewhere, Paul George is in there somewhere. You know who's in there mm-hmm. is Damian freaking Lillard. Right, he's in there. Yeah. Right, but the difference between being a six three dude who is you know a hundred and ninety pounds and being a six nine dude who is 260 pounds, there's a difference in that. That's where the size comes into play the most, is Damian Lillard can overcome being 6'3 in a league where players are a lot bigger than that by elite quickness and athleticism. That's that's one part. But he can refine his technique to the point where he's... Offense always has a slight advantage, even at the highest levels of as it's played over defense because defense is naturally reacting to what the offensive player wants to do. And so if an offensive player is skilled enough, they will 
always have that split second advantage. And so he can create advantage out of disadvantage. It is a natural disadvantage, his size, but he's mastered the technique to create, make that be an advantage. You can't really do that on defense. That whole like, like Damian Lillard's, and I actually think he's a better defender I've seen on tape this year than at least when he wants to be, right? But he's, there's only so much that he can do to counter being 6'3 and his size. Same with CJ, right? Like th- there's only so much technique, like you're going to get overwhelmed. And I think that that's, that's where when AD and LeBron want to attack, I think that that's like, I don't know how they, they stop them. Nurkic is a big guy. Whiteside is, a sh- you know, can block shots, but uh, I, I just don't see how they stop those two guys. I'm very interested to see if the foul rate and the free throw rate for AD and LeBron sort of go up Mm. this series. Yeah, that's the unguardability stat, right? Like, we can't guard you, so we're going to send you to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Because Dame is going to get his free throws. He is... He's going to piss off Laker fans. I'm telling you that right now. He throws himself into into uh, contact. He you know will stop. He frustrated abruptly. me during the regular season mm-hmm, matchups mm-hmm. between these these teams. He does all the little tricks uh-huh. that honestly, like L- LeBron never really does those tricks. Mm-hmm. I actually wish he would maybe do them a little bit more. I, I think I you know I think that's one of his playoff things, right? Like we talked about, LeBron's going to turn up and this and that. Like, well, what are the things that he does? LeBron will. LeBron knows how to get those BS calls, man. It just like that's one more dude landing on your back because you yeah, pump yeah. faked, <laughs> sure, and sure. he like crashed into you. Like this is this is part of the brilliance of LeBron James, right? Is like how has he been able to do this at this level longer than anybody else? And I think this is part of it is really that understanding of like risk versus reward, like. In this game in January against the Phoenix Suns, like... Eh, do I need to be on the ground? Do I need to right be on now? the ground? Do I need this <laughs> big-ass dude, like, landing on my shoulder? Well, also, too, that's what happens when you're 6'9", 260, right? Is that there are no such thing as touch fouls. Right. Guys do not touch foul you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you may get a touch foul when you're Steph Curry size or when you're Dame Lillard size. Or, to a certain extent, even when you're James Hard Harden size, even though he's built like a tank. Right? Like, mm-hmm. him and Luka are big dudes, but they sort of bait you in ways and then sort of throw themselves around a little bit. LeBron plays, LeBron plays a power game almost all of the time. Mm-hmm. He's rarely playing the shifty get he's not shooting that pull-up 15 footer against the drop right like no, he's no, going no. in and he putting his shoulder in your chest and yeah he is trying to get to the basket so i understand that like dame is going to get his free throws if this is a series where both lebron and ad are shooting in between eight and 13 to 14 free throws a game right if, if they're basically a double digit free throws a game both of them yeah then that is a telltale sign that this series is going the Lakers' way, even if Dame is getting his 10, 11, 12 free throws a game himself, right? Because he is the one guy on their team that is going to pressure defenses in a way where he's drawing a lot of fouls. Nurkic can do that a little bit just based off of the nature of of his physical play, but Braun and AD are advantage getters offensively. They live 
they are pushing the margins all of the time towards you better reach in on me or you better foul me because I am I am seeking advantage all all of the time and that's what makes them elite scorers mm-hmm. as well. And so if Braun is is sort of saying, yeah, guess what? I'm going to the free throw line 10, 11 times each game, mm-hmm. then I have a much harder time than seeing the Lakers like being in real trouble this series. To, like yeah. that's a stat I'll be watching for. That's a this great. Series. That's a great. St- that's probably the most telltale sign, right? Because if LeBron's shooting threes, you know, in one-on-one coverage, and you know, we've got. 23 free throws on the night i think that yeah we'll be in the high 30s low 40s and that's the place to gain advantage against them and their their front court situation gets very complicated very quickly if one guy gets in foul trouble especially against the size of our team so um you got anything else i think that's a good place to wrap up i was gonna ask you a couple of more things let's do it let's do it this is our first playoff pod man yeah no so it's just like I was going to ask you about Kuzma mm-hmm. and and sort of what you thought about what his ideal role is this series. I think that he has the potential to be an interesting defensive matchup yeah. on on several players. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I think that he can be a guy that you maybe throw at CJ mm-hmm. for a few possessions. Yes. Yeah. I think that he's a guy that if the Lakers are going sort of smallish, that you can maybe put him on. Um, th- I think you can ask him to guard Carmelo Anthony some. Listen to I- us. Oh, let's take a moment to appreciate. Listen to us talking about Kyle freaking Kuzma before play- our first playoff matchup. Talking about him as our defensive stopper, like, oh, you need to stop, you need to slow down this kind of guy a little bit. I could see him giving CJ problems with his, he's very quick, and so he's not going to get all, all of those, that technical stuff that CJ's good at. Like, he's not going to gain as much advantage, because Kuz has got those quick feet that he's coupling with great technique on the defensive end. So technical guys will be less effective against Kuz because of that. However they would get draw fouls on him. Like, yeah. Kuz, he did this against Lowry. Kuz is, like, reaching in, kind of, like, jump toward you into your closeout, and will kind of... And those are the types of things that Dame especially, but also CJ, right? Like, he's a master at getting to the free throw line with those... That guy landed on my back. CJ is dealing with a back issue, by the way, so he may not be as thrilled at the prospect of much bigger people landing on him. So, yeah, look at us. We're we're talking about him as this defensive stopper at this point, and he's capable of doing it in a way that that quickness and speed, he has the ability to stop some of those more technical guys in a way that we don't have other guys as much able to do that. I think Kuz is going to be an important player this series on both sides of the ball. I Portland likes to go small. They like to run that three guard lineup where it's um, where it's Trent and CJ and Dame. We've got I think to punish going... those lineups, man. Make all those dudes they're... defend, man. Make all those dudes defend. Sorry to cut you off, but like we've got to make them pay on the other end. So I think it's super important that if that's the type of lineup that Portland tries to go to to close games, that you start to see then lineups with like with AC. So with Caruso, KCP, Kuzma, mm-hmm. 
LeBron and 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 AD because then I think that you can then start to use your advantage some with your size. And, and, and so I think Kuz is going to be a very important player this series. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we sort of talked about him in sort of a cursory manner, at least. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up, and this can be in passing a little bit, but how much do you anticipate Caruso playing? How quick do you think that the Lakers will be, or that Frank Vogel will sort of go small? I just think that as the series progresses, that these are the games within the game, right? And so, you 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 know, this may be our first time on a podcast covering a playoff series, but I've been writing about this damn team for over a decade, and I've seen plenty of playoff series. And it's always interesting to me the way that teams recognize advantage, how they continue to leverage that, and then how they continue to tweak around little things in order to counter what the other team is trying to do to counter that advantage in order to keep that advantage there, right? And so the Lakers are starting with an advantage of having Anthony Davis and having LeBron James against a team that does not have a ton of formidable size and quickness combinations that they can throw with those two guys defensively, right? And Portland is starting with an advantage of, of we have Damian Lillard and we have C.J. McCollum and our guard strength is double, triple, quadruple what your guard strength is, right? And, and so the chess match to me early on is very much going to be how quickly does that sort of issue that you pointed out at the beginning of the pod with like issues around the starting lineup and whether or not JaVale can engage and, and, and how effective he is. And the counter to that to me is, okay, well, let's go smaller and let's do it earlier. And that means probably turning to Alex Caruso and maybe turning to Kyle Kuzma, right? And, and so Caruso is a looming player in this series to me, A, because he is super important against Damian Lillard. I think he's also super important against C.J. McCollum. And I'm wondering how much time he's going to play and how quickly Vogel goes goes to him. So, So what say you around that? Yeah, I think he's going to play a lot. I think he's our best ball pressure guard. He does it a little bit differently than Avery does. Avery's more physical, whereas Crusoe is one of the better beat-you-to-the-spot guards uh, at the point of attack in the NBA, even when he's on a closeout as well. He'll be chasing around uh, Dame a lot, I believe, off of screens, which he needs to do better in his lock and trail technique there. But I think Crusoe's going to play a lot, not just for his individual talents, but also that chain reaction that you're talking about, about going smaller, going smaller earlier, getting out of those, how do we have JaVale hedging on these screen situations and getting more toward, we've got five guys on the court who can rotate, who can close out to the perimeter. Also on the offensive end, value of spacing the floor, being able to pull Nurkic out when necessary. Those are all things that are going to play into, I think Crusoe is going to play a lot. And that's why, like I said, if we can do well in those first six minutes of the first and third, we will have LeBron and AD on the court in those lineups, and that means a lot. But if we can do well during those stretches defensively, I think we're going to be in really good shape. These are two stylistically very different fighters, and it, it should be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, this is going to be it's going to be a fun series. Like like fun just from a basketball standpoint. Um there is anytime you have LeBron and AD in in a series, there's a bunch of star power, right? And I think this is going to be very true of like that Clippers Mavs series too, right? Where you're like, "Oh, whenever you got Kawhi and Paul George in in a series and they're on the same damn damn team, you've already got that that's a high wattage series but then you throw Luka Doncic in the mix there right and then you're just like oh damn this is a series series and just in terms of as a fan want, wanting to watch it well in this series you got LeBron James you got Anthony Davis and you've got Damian Lillard and and honestly you throw those names up on the marquee right old school NBA on NBC style right where it's like the pictures tumble into the frame and it's those guys right there and you're like holy shit like this is this is it right here and and this is what we're in for like like I I honestly just I can't wait until Tuesday yeah man it's super exciting i'm so glad we've got playoff basketball so glad the NBA's got the bubble seemingly under control with covid and everything like that Really excited to cover the ins and outs of a a best of seven series. And off we go. We're here at the 2020 NBA playoffs. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped. And it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?